Hey guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. Wife shoots cheating husband 15 times after stepping out of the bathtub, naked, riddled with bullets, and lying in a pool of his own blood, the now dead husband has learned the ultimate lesson. You don't mess with Jackie Bevins. Welcome back tonight. On this episode of Talk Murder to Me, we're doing a taco special episode, is what we're told. And we're told it's for one of our Taco Supremos, Kira. Kira, you always have the wildest stories. I know. I wonder if there's another personal connection with someone at work this time. We'll find out. We don't know yet. So we did make a cocktail tonight based on a hint of lobster. So we just brought back one of our all-time favorite cocktails, the Rock Lobster, which is a frozen blended drink with banana, banana liqueur, uh, coconut rum, rum, a splash of pineapple juice and orange juice, and grenadine. And Mm. it is just as good as I remember. It is good. I don't know if I'm thinking of the other frozen drinks we've had. I I don't know what. This one slid into second or third for me. After last week's? After last week's and the Bahama Mama that I made. I think that one's my favorite. The Bahama Mama? Yeah. No, I can't really remember that one. We'll have to have another excuse to redo. This was definitely like top three, though. Yeah, absolutely. The fresh banana really makes it. Yeah, you can actually taste the fresh banana. Well, that's going to go down quickly, but we won't get as drunk... As the last time, we promise. Well, they promise. I, mean, I never make any promises about that. Jen, because you're not working tomorrow. I am working tomorrow. Last time we got really, or I at least got really drunk. We all got really drunk, I think. That was a really rough episode. We all had the day off the next day, not a care in the world, and, well, we're sorry, but not. Some of the know. fans like us getting really hammered. I don't actually personally like it. I mean, because I, I don't know if I'm going to get drunk. Because I don't make the drink, so I don't know how much liquor's in them or anything. So when I drink it, usually I just am mm-hmm. all of a sudden drunk. That's true. We also had two of them last week. Yeah, we don't always have multiple. So 31 days until our live show. And we've got our swag that we are representing, which is awesome. I have to order Thank mine. You, I'm not, yes, Kendra, the design looks awesome on the shirts. Love them. We've got another really sweet design that we'll be putting up possibly by the time that this is available. Be sure to check it all out at talkmunder.com and then just hit store. Shop. Swag? It Swag. says one of those things. No, I think it says store now. But I, I have to order mine. I just I haven't ordered it yet because I don't know if I want a t-shirt or a tank top and I don't know if I want what color I want. Anyway. Anywho... We don't normally do surprise shots on taco specials, but as we were also given a hint, we're just going to treat this as a regular episode because it will also be released on Taco Tuesday. So without further ado. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. 
So, John, was this um, the second worst shot that you had asked the liquor store for, or no? I I like the I just like the name of this drink, so I got this one. This is rubbing yeah. alcohol. Mm. <coughs> <coughs> oh, shit! <coughs> yep. Oh my lord, that's bad. Rubbing alcohol. That's bad. That's that's why you don't let me pick the shots. Oh man, my throat burns. I think I grew some chest hair. Oh, it burns. All right, so tonight the shot. Oh my, and that was oh, that was some really sort bad. of terrible whiskey, wasn't it? That was really bad, actually. Oh, um, no, it's well, someone guessed. It's vodka. Whiskey. It's vodka. It's not vodka. <laughs> you guys are both wrong. It's rum. Tonight we're what? drinking Mount <laughs> Mount Gay <laughs> rum. Established in 1703, a new and very exciting addition to the Mount Gay range, 1703 (laughs) celebrates the foundation of the Barbados-based Mount Gay distillery created by Alan Smith, the master distiller. It contains rums that have been aged for between 10 and 30 years. Mount Gay is sweet, oaky, fruity, with lots of vanilla sweetness and faint hints of smoke. Mm. Please enjoy. Also terrible. That so that's supposed to be a high quality rum. Yeah, I, I mean, it never it, says ugh. high quality. To There's be some fair. really good reviews on it. Um, great rum. You can get it in Canada, ranked among the world's best. Interesting. I, I disagree. Think that Bacardi has a, a lot on that one. Um, or uh, know? you know, just Malibu, man, that goes down smooth. Yeah, I mean, it just tastes good. It, does. it doesn't taste like alcohol. This is a man's drink, so you guys wouldn't understand anyway. Well, now that that's over with. I, like, still feel that on my chest. I feel like I just, I, like, coughed out a little bit of a lung there after I took a sip of that. I do have to admit, I was kind of lonely the other night because you guys went to Greenville, and I came home from work, and no one was home. No. Yeah. Womp womp. What'd you do? Uh, well, I was... All by myself. And I just watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Because <laughs> I love that show. I think it's so good. It's like it's like stupid funny. Like that's... If you like stupid funny or really out there zany funny, then you will enjoy that show. I highly recommend. It's a musical, so of course I love it. Oh, I would not like it. Yeah. But, it's but not- you know what we watch that we love... Stranger Things. So good. So good. Also, let's discuss the ending. So, without spoilers, la, people la, message me. Let's discuss. No, yes. I want to watch it. Well, so you gotta good. just do it. Don't watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Watch Stranger Things. No, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's so funny. It's good. No, it's definitely not as good I, as Stranger Things. Um, I debate that. Okay, watch Stranger Things, and then you tell us which one's better. Okay, I will. So we got two new Tacos Primos. Welcome, friends. Faith. Faith. Hey, Faith. Which is a good friend of our good friend. Chuck. Chuck. (gasps) Hey, Faith. Thanks for supporting both us and Chuck at the same time. Exactly. We appreciate that. And I'm sure he does, too. Yes, he does. That's awesome. And we super appreciate, you know, I know a lot of... Friends and family of Chuck's have listened to this uh, episode and uh, that we did for him, and it was it was a really well done episode. I thank you, John, for all the research and all the 
conversation interviewing Chuck. And Chuck, thank you for coming forward with that amazing story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's really a gamble. If you listen to Chuck's episode, he wouldn't tell a story. But then you listen to the one we just put out where we're completely hammered and we we're barely versatile. make it through it. And our next Tacos Primo is Carrie. Carrie. Hey, Carrie. So, and she sent me an email. Hi, John. I got your letter and stickers in the mail and absolutely made my day. I also signed up to be a Supremo. Welcome, Harry. Thank you for all your hard work and surprise shots taken to make these episodes happen. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. How many shots do you think we've each done since we started? What episode is this? 75, I think. What? Uh, Nuh-uh. 75? Yeah. Oh, shit. We are on a roll. Uh, so I'd say 100. So Carrie is from Illinois. and Illinois. Il- Carrie's from Illinois. and You got to make some Illinois. And so I'm doing a murder for her in the future very soon. A very a murder that I've you heard before that I really wanted to do, but I never have. So I'm really glad that she requested that. And plus, I'm going to do another high-profile murder yes. that I was going to do anyway from yes. somewhere around her part. Uh, and I'm going to kind of, uh, I'm going to dedicate it to her. Uh, I think we know. All right. Yeah. So thank you so much, Carrie, for joining. You're awesome. Seriously. Tonight, we're doing a story for Talk Supremo and great friend, Kira. Hey, Kira. What's up, Kira? You guys went to college, right? Yeah, we went to Quinnipiac together. And we are both psych majors. So, thank you so much, Kira. I also, when I was emailing you earlier, I saw that you requested another murder through email and totally didn't see it. So, I'm going to put it on the list and get to it as soon as possible. Also, Shannon, I'm going to uh, get Shannon. to uh, your mini, she likes to call them Moidas. Moidas. M-O-I-D-A-S. So, I'm going to get to your Moidas soon as well. We're working hard for you guys. Nicole, let me ask you, our third place Geography B winner. If I said, what city are we going to that the name of it is an Indian word for a beautiful place by the sea? It is also gave inspiration to one Stephen King, and a large part of his novel, The Stand, was based in this city. Okay, I don't know anything about Stephen King. But I'm going to just think of a like a lake's name up in the New England area, and maybe I'm right. Winnipesaukee? No. I mean, I guess it was close. We know we're going to Maine because we've been eating lobsters. Maine's got the best lobsters. So we're actually going to a place tonight called A Gun Quit. Oh, Gun Quit. I think there's an A Gun Quit. Oh, no, that is in Maine. I was Yeah, no, I know it's in Maine, but I wasn't sure if there's one in Rhode Island, too, but I think I'm thinking of another city, town, small town. A Gunquit, Maine is it's a gorgeous little town on the coast of, of Maine, not too far from the New Hampshire border. It's a popular destination in the summer. They have a really cute downtown area where there's a bunch of restaurants. There's a, the Gunquit Playhouse. I saw a rendition of Grease there when I was a kid. And it's an area, a town where a lot of wealthy people go in the summer. I've heard people like John Travolta have been seen there. Uh, Martha Stewart sometimes, I guess, is spotted in that area. So this is the Gunquit area. And in fact, the exact spot we're going to is Cape Nettick. You guys know where that is? No. 
I do because not. you are not rich enough to live there. It's yeah, yep. It's about is less it near Kenny Bunkport. Less than three thousand people. A large art colony there hmm. attracts ah. mostly retirees. Hmm. You have people like Stephen King. Stephen King grew up in Maine. Yep. And so he's gotten a lot of inspiration, I'd imagine. I mean, he pulled one of his books from there. I mean, he written one of his books based out of there. So have you guys been there? No. I've not. I mean, maybe I have a small child, but not to my knowledge or recollection. Not Nothing of importance. We're going to April 3rd, 1990. Ooh. And before I get started, I want to do uh, things that you guys really care about. Uh, famous birthdays for April 3rd. Include mm. Doris Day. Ah. Oh, she just passed away. R.I.P. Uh, Marlon Brando. Mm. Oh, he's also dead. Alec Baldwin. Still oh, alive. Alec Baldwin. Still alive. Yes. Kobe Smolders. Oh, Robin. How I Met Your Mother. Oh. oh. I was like, who is that? And then Eddie Murphy. Ah, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Okay. So now for events that happened in 1990. I All was right, born. here's some key events. <clears throat> you guys tell me what happened in 1990. My birth. My conception. Oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> what? It's true. I was already skateboarding by then. No, you weren't. I was a little sperm. And then I was an embryo. All right, so do you guys have any idea besides you guys being born what happened? I wasn't <sighs> born yet. The official collapse of the Soviet Union, right? Because the wall went down in 89. Wasn't 90? Right? 89? No, I don't know. Here's what I found on Google. Okay. Nelson Mandela released from 27 years of imprisonment in South Africa. That's that's a big one. Uh, The Hubble Space Telescope sends its first photographs from space. (gasps) Oh, Hubble. Which I think... He's sleeping. I think the CBD is working. Which I think is bullshit because the Earth is flat. All right. Oh, We already talked about this. Okay, Kyrie. All right. Um, In Living Color premiered on Fox. Nope. I never watched that Twin show. Twin Peaks Sorry. premiered on ABC. Oh, we, we started, started to watch that. Yeah, we it was did not really think cool. it was good. It was like yeah. the first episode, and it was just really corny. But oh. I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be funny or not. No way. And a, someone guessed a blues musician passes away. A very great blues guitarist passes away in 1990. He, I think he was 36 when he passed away. He is one of John Mayer's inspirations. Stevie Ray Vaughan. There you go. Stevie Ray Vaughan died in 1990. All right, so April 3rd, 1990, it was a Tuesday. Now, this is morning time. And let me tell you a little bit about where we're going. We are at the very coast of Maine. Very beautiful, very wealthy. Like north, northern Maine? No. The southern Maine. Southern. Southern. The whole Maine coast is just, in my opinion, gorgeous. Um, I'm kind of partial because I, I love New England, you know, raised here. So I, I always vacationed in Maine, usually like York, Maine as a child. And it's a rocky coast, so it's not great beaches, but it's beautiful. It's fun to walk down. There's waves. Um, you can, you know, go look in the tide pools for crabs and like little periwinkles and, and snails and all that stuff. No, I'm not. I've never been to Maine, but Cape Nettick. So it's a bunch of rich people live there. Very nice houses. So this is a beach house. So one side is backed up to rocks. The other side, right on the ocean. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful house. It was a Tuesday morning. It's shortly after 11 a.m. Neighbors, they hear gunshots coming mm. from one Ooh. of the 
neighboring homes. In this wealthy high-end area. Very wealthy high-end area. Very, very wealthy high-end area. All right. A 47-year-old man, John Bevins, okay, he steps out of his bathtub. Mm-hmm. All right. He just took a shower. The bathtub, you could see, like, the ocean and all these lobsters jumping out of the water. <laughs> like dolphins? Yeah. I don't think that's how it works, but all right. <laughs> all these crustaceans. He was seeing all this shit. Enjoying a nice <laughs> bath. He had some like Irish Spring, that soap that you get oh, at yeah. CBS. Yeah, yeah. I like that good. shit. Yeah, by it the does way. smell good. I like the bars. That's like the only bars I would use. Yeah, those are what my dad uses. Yeah, so he was like Irish Springing it up, you know, and he's sitting in the bathtub. He gets out. He kind of slips on the floor because it's a little wet. His feet are wet. <laughs> he grabs a towel from the vanity. Mm-hmm. And just when he does that, I mean, he just got it around his wings. His wiener. He just he just we, wrapped it around his wiener. We got that. Okay. Thank you. Yep. He just wrapped the towel around his wiener and he steps on the floor and the door opens up. I would make a creaking noise, but these is very rich people, so they probably don't have creaking oh, doors. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. like shh. You know what I'm saying? There was like a sliding door, yeah. one of those fancy bathrooms that has the sliding doors. Yeah. I have so. a question for you guys. Yeah. When you use bar soap, do you use a washcloth or you just apply just the, use bar the bar directly to your skin? I do not use bar soap at all. I don't like bar soap at I all. I love bar soap. You put it in between your crack and then you squeeze your booty <laughs> All right, well, that's way cheeks. too much information. And it, like, suds itself. No, and this is why I, I don't this question. buy bar soap. <laughs> and then you lose the soap. You're well, like, where the fuck did soap. it go? And I have then bar you soap, have to but go, I have that then you mesh. drop it and you have to go pick it up. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I would hope that he's not concerned about dropping the soap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For your sake, I am in this house. Oh, <laughs> I have bar soap, but I also have the little mesh net around it, so it's, it exfoliates. It's real nice. Thank you to my sister who works at Shore, Shore Soap Company. If you're going to buy soap, buy it from Shore Soap. 47-year-old John Bevan steps out. He wraps the towel around his wiener. He steps on the floor. The tile floor is slippery. There's suds everywhere. Irish. He didn't get all the Irish soap off of him from also, the Irish spring Also, the way bar. you say you're like, I'm just going to, he wraps the towel around his wiener. He does. Like, that That but, takes a totally different connotation. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it's a hot it dog. around his waist. <laughs> yeah. Like a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hot and ready. <laughs> he I tries got a snack look, for you. He tries to look in the mirror and so he can do his hair like Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. We just watched the whole season. Yep. Use the shampoo and the conditioner, and when your hair is damp, it's not wet, okay, when it's damp. Damp. You do four puffs of the Farrah Fawcett spray. Steve the Hair Harrington. Yeah. So he tries to do it, but it's all fogged up, and then he looks over, and the door slides open real slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes that futuristic sound and does it have a button you can press? His, he sees his wife. Uh I knew it. And what do you get what do you guys think is gonna happen? She here? shoots him. How many times? Three. Jen. Seven. No. <laughs> One. Right. One time. So he sees his wife opening the door and she has in her hand a thirty two caliber Harrington and Richardson model seven thirty two. This is what it looks like. It's a six-shooter revolver. It looks like mm. an old-fashioned gun. Yeah, like it a does. Western gun. Yeah. Six bullets in there. She walks in and just opens fire. Bow! Bow! So Bow. six. Bow! Bow! So Nicole won because Bow. Price is Right rules. That's six. Well, we didn't agree to that. Oh, six then I won because I said seven. 
She shoots her husband six times. Mm-hmm. According to the Boston Globe, April 6, 1993, days after, quote, he was shot several times in the upper body, neck, and head with a 32 caliber revolver. So that's, right. that's not a small bullet because you said 40 caliber was a big bullet. Yeah. So is that like the, what's the next size down? So six times. That's a lot. That's a lot. For when the guy's just stepping out of the shower. Stepping out. Shoot six his times like a hot dog. Okay, she she should have just gone in there when he was still in the shower. Then you wouldn't have as much to clean up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Shoot him six times. Bow, 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 mm-hmm. bow, bow. That okay? was that was like eight, and he's dead. That's it. Story's uh, over. Right? Or is it? Wait, it, did he not die? The reason I'm showing you the revolver. No, he's definitely dead. You oh, get okay. shot six times with that thing in the head and neck and chest and all, he's dead. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. So, bow, 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 bow. Mm-hmm. Quiet. Hold on. I need to reload. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Bow, 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 bow. Quiet. Hold on, I need to reload. Oh my God, are you serious? (laughs) She shot her husband. Jackie Bevan shot her husband. When he walked out of that bathtub, he wrapped that towel around his wiener. She shot him 15 times. I said 14. No, you didn't. You said said seven. seven. Yeah, I said 14 after. No. (laughs) She shot him 15 times. In the face, back, head, chest, ding dong, everywhere. Oh no. All right. I feel like something is not quite right upstairs the, if she's doing that. The prosecutor would eventually say in a courtroom, quote, he was shot enough times so that you need to reload a six shooter at least once. In fact, it came out that it was twice. Because but then she left three bullets in there. You're looking like. at a six shooter. And because when I read that quote, I was like, at least once. All right. You got six bullets. All right. Then you reload once. Now I got 12. So you got to reload again to get 15. Right. Right. She reloaded that gun damn twice. What do you think she was sentenced to? Death. No, not in Maine. I'd say probably 25 to life. Nicole. I'm going to say she's in a mental facility. No, but right after she killed her husband, Jack Bevins. Did I say John earlier? I meant Jack. Well, it's the same. Jack is a nickname for John. Oh, she kills her husband. 15 shots in the bathtub. The towels drop now. There's blood everywhere. She goes immediately to the main medical center in Portland where she checks herself into a psychiatric ward after Hmm. calling the police and saying, hey, I just shot my husband 15 times with the gun that you gave me. The police gave her the gun? What? Yeah. Oh. oh, but I shouldn't throw that in there right now. It's not a conspiracy. <laughs> I just wanted to well, wake you guys up. Well, did they give it to her to like protect herself? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll get into that anyway. Uh, all right, uh, all right. She let, walked free. Let me just get this off. Let, let me just get you guys completely in a story and let us get this thing going. She walks free. She was acquitted completely. I said that before right. you said that. She was acquitted on terms of the battered. Woman syndrome. Oh, battered woman syndrome. Okay, I know what that is. So we're going to get into that. This kind of reminds me of episode two, actually. Let Mm, me talk a little bit about 
So if I say John or Jack, I guess they're the same thing. I don't. What do you mean? My name is John. I don't go by Jack. John, J O H N, a nickname. Uh, it, it could be if you want them to be Jack. It yeah, like J F K, John F Kennedy. They call him Jack. All right, let, let me go into John Bevins first. I think this would. I think it'd be better if we go into him first because obviously he was beating her. You guys understand that, right? But you step out of the shower or the bathtub. You're so vulnerable. Yeah, but you he, don't. I mean, how is this woman walk free? It's not like, oh, I shot him once and he died. She had to reload. And that's why I'm showing you the picture of the revolver, because yeah. I know you guys don't know what guns are. But it we takes a long time are. to reload a revolver. It's not like you already have an extra clip in the right. 9 mil. and like, just, all right. You got to go you know? one by one to insert Yeah, you in, like yeah. one by one. She probably had the bullets in the nightstand. She had to walk over to the nightstand, pull out the drawer. You know, take each bullet out, put it in chamber, and then go back and shoot this dead guy another six times and walk back over to the nightstand, pull open the drawer, take out the carton of bullets again, you know, slide it out, take six bullets, put them in the cartridge, and then go back over there and shoot this already dead twice now guy again. It's an awful lot of time. That's an awful lot of time. It's also premeditated. He was in the shower, and she opened the door and, and shot him. wasn't in reaction to anything, unless there's part of the story we haven't heard yet. According to the Ottawa Citizen, April 17th, 1999, John Bevins was a, quote, bigger-than-life businessman and reputed playboy with a penchant for flashy cars and shady dealings. He was a former vice president for United Truck Leasing Corporation, which is in Boston. And when he was there, he got involved in various businesses, including real estate investing. And he even owns a quote, quote, if you will, a concrete business. Oh, the mob. In the Cayman Islands, which I don't know what they're doing with concrete in the Cayman Islands. So apparently the concrete business is popping in the Cayman (laughs) Islands. Um, That is another term for laundering money. And if you you business? Now, he was he was a wise guy. Was like he, the Sopranos. Was, was, was he in the mob? In the Boston mob? He wasn't in the mob, but he was a minor player in the Raymond Patriarca crime family. I was gonna ask if he was associated with like Whitey, but oh, so yeah, that, and too. so I, I kind of dived a little bit into that crime family. They're Headquartered in Providence, Rhode Island, but they control a lot of the organized crime in New England. It even reaches to Massachusetts and all through Maine. Mm. Hmm. Pretty big. Now, he was a minor player. Did, he would did do, you, uh, that's interesting that it's headquartered in, in Rhode Island and it goes all the way to Maine. Yeah. Because Rhode Island is even more south than Massachusetts. I mean, it's a little tiny little state that's literally... I mean, when I talk... When I hear people from Rhode Island... If I ever meet someone from Rhode Island at work, if they move down here, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm from New Bedford. I just kind of claim Rhode Island as my own because it's so close and it's like its own little thing. I shouldn't say that. I don't mean to offend any Rhode Islanders. I do love Rhode Island, though. It's so cute. Jack was born and raised in Massachusetts, and he always associated with crime in some way. He eventually went to drug dealing, and he even went to arson for hire. Wait, so did he he committed crimes for people? Right? He was mostly a bookkeeper. Instead of hitman for hire, he committed arson for hire. Well, he was mostly a low-level bookkeeper for the mob. Basically, that's what his main laundering job was. Money. But he had yeah, laundering money. He had Smudging uh, numbers? 
that that's where the all the investments he had, the real estate holdings and the concrete company in Cayman Islands. I mean, it really, it's nothing but sand there. I don't understand why they need a bunch of concrete. Well, you have some roads. The defense lawyer of this trial, Daniel Lilly, which he actually died in 2017, rest in peace, was a very well-known defense attorney at the time for doing high-profile cases. And this is definitely one of the top, especially in Maine. If you live in Maine, you've definitely heard of this case. And even if you haven't heard of this case, you've probably stopped by Jackie Bevan's restaurant and got a nice lobster roll, <gasps> like Kira did. So she What's owns, the name of the place? Well, I'll tell you a little bit. All right. According to the Ottawa Citizen, April 17, 1999, quote, I don't think she's any different from someone who has come back from a war and taking lives of the enemy. It was kill or be killed situation. The guy had done everything to this woman, and it was time to stop. That is what her defense lawyer, Daniel Lilly, says to the jury. I mean, I understand. But I, so tell, was she abused by her husband or was she just horrified by his crimes? Well, tell me right now. Do you think she should have been acquitted? I mean, we haven't gone into enough yet for me to say that. I say no. I don't think she should have been acquitted. And I'm not I'm not minim- minimalizing what she has gone through, even though we haven't heard it yet. I'm... But I think maybe if she got a five-year sentence or something like that, because at the end of the day, you did take a life. It depends on her mental state, depends on the crimes, but I'm surprised that she was totally acquitted. Um, If it was in direct response to an incident, it'd be a different story. But again, we need more information before I can say that. Now, I want to say dozens of letters flooded into that courtroom showing support for Jackie. I need to say her real name is Jack, Jacqueline. 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 I-N-E or Y-N? Uh, I-N-E. My mom's name is Jacqueline, but she spells it L-Y-N. And that same sentiment holds true today. All right, is so it you're because of the whole this... mob thing? Like people were more horrified that he was tied to the mob? And thought I mean, he, he was a low-level player. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he was a made man. Well, I was kind of thinking like <laughs> I'm I'm watching, Main Man, during, Made Man, uh, oh. Made Man. During I've that, been watching too much Sopranos. During that time, I think the whole Whitey era was really big then. So I was wondering if they were mostly just horrified because of that connection and blowing that part out. He of wasn't connected connected. To I know, Whitey but Boulder. just the mob in general, a different mob, different crime family. But all right, so the two sons of John and Jackie Bevins testified. For her mother. Now, this was a high-profile case. Mm -hmm. It's one thing for a woman, a battered woman, to kill her husband in self-defense, you know? Mm -hmm. Basically, he's running at me with a knife or choking the shit out of me. Right. Or kicking the shit out of me, and I grab a gun and shoot him maybe once or twice, and he's dead. That's one thing. And even some of those cases, they get sentenced. Mm -hmm. Okay? Right. But this is completely different. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't running at her. He was booty naked in the bathtub. He got out, stepped on the floor, wrapped a towel around him, and then she shoots him. And not only once or twice, but 15 times. She reloaded a revolver twice. That takes a lot of time. Right. That's like a 15-minute shooting. used during the marriage? I'm trying to say there are women that were abused right. and kill in self-defense and still get to prison. 
the two sons actually testified for their mother that she has been abused by her husband. Now, the sons, Peter and Douglas, testified to the York County Superior Court. Peter said that, now this is his stepfather. So here's how it works. The mother has a kid before they get married. But before Jackie and, and Jack gets married, they each have their own kids. All right. Does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now they got married, so the two kids... Blended family. Blended family. So to Peter, he is the stepfather. All right, yep. anyway. Uh, Peter says his stepfather would also... would often use abusive language such as fat pig... Oh, that's awful. ...and regularly argued and hit her. Quote, I heard it many times, yelling, arguing, thumping, crashing. Obviously, they were fighting, and it became physical. Now, one time during the argument, Peter said that his stepfather grabbed the toaster oven. What? What did he do with the toaster oven? Quote, he picked it up and he threw it at her. Oh. It was like a football across the kitchen and hit her and she collapsed in the corner. Oh, my gosh. Now, there were kids when they were seeing all this. Mm. At least he didn't, like, take her hand and stick it in there. Oh, I'm going to get to some more stuff. Oh. All right. John... The victim, not the victim, the guy that was killed, yep. ran a bookmaking operation in the basement. So, number one, you're putting your entire family at risk. Okay? Mm-hmm. And he actually told his son since the fourth grade that his occupation was a secret. All right. Interesting. And, in fact, a little fun fact here. the During the trial, they used FBI reports showing that he was linked to the crime family. And showing that he all his business deals were shady. I wonder, like, what what would that look like? Hey, Dad, can you come to my? Yeah. What does your parent do? What does they call that? The uh, the the day where yeah. you bring your parents to school and they talk about what they do. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, what are, like, what would he say? No, it's a secret. <laughs> no, Johnny. I, mean, what I would is just your... go if I. That was me. I would go in and be like, I'm an, an accountant or something, and just hope these little kids don't ask too many questions. Like, where do you work? In my basement. <laughs> I work from home. Like, what, the- <laughs> what is the work environment like? Well, it's dark. I have one Our, light bulb hang- hanging from the ceiling. I own a concrete company. Oh, where? In Cayman the Cayman Islands. Islands. <laughs> like, Ooh, what? Wow. <laughs> See, that would like get so many like responses. The, and and, you and know, the teacher's styling the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> or no, the teacher's probably not even paying any attention. That's like the one like one time they don't have to yeah. you know teach i mean they have to manage the classroom i'm assuming and making sure the kids are you know handling themselves appropriately but at least they didn't have to you know formulate a whole lesson plan they get some time off from teaching all right so not only was she being abused because I, I don't want you guys just to look at abuse because i mean the abuse is bad but also she is scared as shit not only for herself, but for her sons. Her husband is in the organized crime. And since we watched Sopranos, uh, what's that guy's name? The main character, Soprano. Tony. His wife, Tony, his wife was going through the same thing. So I kind of pictured them two, you know, when I was doing the story, I kind of thought of her because she was worried about that stuff too. Because, I mean, the husband could be arrested for 20 years and, yeah. and then leave the family with nothing. Right. But uh, especially when all of the money is coming in illegally, I need to I need to frame the story like this. The Sopranos are different because all the money was coming in from Tony Soprano. But this case is different because the majority of money is coming in from Jackie. 
Jackie's a strong-willed, she's workaholic, is what she's been called. She's a restaurateur. She owns, I don't know how many she owns now, but she's making more money than this dude working with the crime family. What hmm. What were their, her restaurants? Well, all right, so she's got one in Maine that I looked up, uh, Jackie's too. That's still still up there in Maine. Okay. It's right in Algonquin. Does she have a—you said it's a chain. Does she have others in Massachusetts? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, she's a restaurateur. She's probably got a lot. We can go. So if you go to talkmore.com, I put a YouTube video of this dude going through a Gunquint, Maine, and visiting all the restaurants, you know. And he's, mm. he's kind of interesting. He's kind of a big dude, so he likes to eat. You know what I'm saying? He's, like, eating all the lobster shit. Mm. And I was like, man, that's why I wanted lobster bisque. We will have to— um, we It was, like, go lobster my, on a stick. We like won't go to my favorite place because that's in New Hampshire, but we should definitely get some lobster and fried clams while I we're I definitely there. want some mm. lobster. That, he, had, he showed one. It was, like, lobster and grilled cheese. Yeah. Remember when oh we were— um, It was, like, big-ass <sighs> things of lobster. I mean, they pull them right there off the shore, man. Yeah. All right, so he says, quote, there's a son— Quote, I saw my father on top of my mother. It appeared that they were wrestling around. He had what appeared to be a log, Uh-oh. held it above his head. Oh, I thought it that was looked- a euphemism. Oh, his oh. penis? Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and he was stabbing her with his, his log. Okay. Oh, God. Right. Uh, it looked like he was going to hit her with it. I tackled him. When I tackled him, he got off her. Damn, you're fucking brave, kid. Shit. Yeah. Now, the, the son now is a dentist in Portsmouth, and he recalled walking into the kitchen and seeing his stepmother in tears. When she asked why she was crying, she brought out two grocery bags filled with cocktail napkins. Quote, there must have been a couple hundred of them, each containing a woman's name and phone number. Oh, he was, oh shit. So he deserved is, to die. <laughs> He is just like Tony Soprano. If you watch Sopranos, which I couldn't make it past season three, but this dude was sleep with anybody but his wife. That's yeah, shitty. literally the, everyone every episode, but his he, wife. Every episode he's having sex with someone else, but he never has sex with his wife. That sounds it's like, like Don Draper. I'm watching Mad Men yes. right now. Oh, I love yes. Don Draper, man. I'm on season like one right now. Model. Yeah, John Have you Hamm. ever seen it before? Mm-mm, no. I'm you know, when I started one. watching that show, when I was living in Columbia, I started drinking scotch just really? because they were drinking scotch. Yeah. I hate Pete. What's his last name? You'll hate him even more later. Oh, he's such a little prick. I can't stand him. One witness got up there and testified that John Bevins had as many as 135 affairs, not just one night stands, Holy with shit. women during his 23 year marriage. Oh my gosh. So he was having like multiple affairs at a time. Yeah. That's crazy. How can you keep track of all those people? That's you just disgusting. Gotta get a planner, you should be you know? castrated. You just got to get, like, a, a day planner and stay organized. That is not funny. <laughs> Shit. Keep it up. Well, as we all know, John doesn't have a day planner, Nicole. We discussed this the other day. No, but he does have a couch that he will be sleeping on. <laughs> so you don't uh, even get the guest room. You only get the couch. All right. That's okay, John. We can glamp tonight. Now, in fact, he had a long affair with—this is fucked up. He had a long affair with a girl named Susan Jackson, which actually was a bartender— that worked at his wife's restaurant. All right, that's fucked. <laughs> that's so fucked. And she actually testified on her behalf a lot about his character, you know? Mm. The evidence showed that Jack and Jackie were arguing on that morning. Now, I do want to say that morning, a little later, a couple hours from then, they had an appointment with a divorce attorney. Oh. Hmm. 
Let's keep that in mind. Okay. The evidence showed that Jack and Jackie were arguing on that morning upon his return from a weekend away with a 26-year-old girlfriend whom he had acquired in the Cayman Islands that winter. Uh, you don't acquire <laughs> girlfriend. Acquire. You acquire taste for something. Acquire. <laughs> yes. I'm mm. reading what it says. <laughs> Has a hint of... <laughs> Fish, that- <laughs> tuna fish. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> you just stole my joke, but you made it way worse than I was ever going to make it. Uh, <laughs> All Ew. Right. He had shared with Jackie that fact that he intended to move her into a condominium in Ongonquit. Ongonquit. He had shared with Jackie the fact that he intended to move her into a condominium in Ongonquit. For the summer and live with her there. Okay, so it's not only, hey, I've just been banging this 26-year-old. No, he's 50, what, like almost 50. He just gets back. He's almost 50. Oh, yeah, by the way, I've been um, screwing this 26-year-old and uh, from the Cayman Islands where I do that concrete business. And if it's okay with you, it's all right with you. I I think I'm just going to move her in here. And uh, not into this house, but, you know, she'll get her own nice place in the same city. So it's kind of like, um, and you remember Andrew Cunanan was a kept boy? Mm-hmm. She's like a kept girl. Oh, my gosh, guys, I forgot to tell you. I had the strangest phone call at work today. It, it relates kind of, I promise. So I picked up the phone and someone asked me what the price of gas was. And I said, well, it's 227 for regular. I think it's 269 for uh, diesel. But I'm not quite sure. Let me transfer out to gas station. She's, whoa, 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 whoa. What what did you say the price was? I said two sixty nine for diesel. He said I said but like I said, let me just transfer you. He's like no 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 no. He's I'm very inter- I'm very interested in that price. I was like oh okay well let me let me just let me just transfer you. And he was like but no 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 wait 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 wait. Do you get it? And I'm like what? He goes I'm very interested in that price. You and me two sixty nine. Oh my god. And I was like. Oh, no, I swear, I what? swear this happened. I was like, oh, okay, let me change something. He's like, no, 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 no. Are you, are you blowing me off? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, what? Why are you blowing me off? I was like, I, I don't know. Like, let me transfer the gas station. Like, I'm just trying to get rid of this dude. I would have just transferred him. And not I anything. did, but but then he was like, what? What? Are you married? And I was like, yes. Click. Bye. <laughs> like, Jesus. What a fucking creep. Right? Creepy. Yes, this happened to me today. That was me that called. <laughs> it was not. It was not, because uh, if it was you, I would have known. Let me talk about the marriage here. The marriage lasted for 23 years. That's, you know, that's pretty long in today's standards. Yeah. Sad to say. But through that, now this, Jackie Bevins was once a homecoming queen. But after she was married to this dude, her physical and emotional state deteriorated, and she suffered depression, gained weight, and she started seeing a psychiatrist. She, I mean, she was... At least she was getting help. And not only that, but many medical reports also showed multiple bruisings on her body. Mm-hmm. So Kira sent an article over from a the private investigator that worked on the case. It's a great article. I put it on talkmore.com. But he worked on this case for 18 months. And he was really thorough in getting all these testimonials from everyone around... The city showing that this abuse was real and it was happening all the time. All right. All right, Nicole, can you read this since I'm kind of too lazy? 
Jack would hit Jackie, send her to her room, slap her, blacken her eye, bloody her nose, and pin her to a stone wall with his car on one occasion. He had urinated on her in the bathtub on their wedding night. He had threatened to kick her out of the house if she visited her mother, assaulted her approximately once a month for four years from 1970 oh through 1974, broken her eardrum, hit her eye, blurring her vision, beaten her up, thrown glass objects, tried to hit her with a piece of firewood while pinning her against the floor, demanded that she wait by the telephone for his calls, constantly told her that she was the problem, called her a fat, ugly pig, beaten her in the bathtub for sex upon her, threw a toaster at her head, forced objects into her vagina, such as a banana, the handle of a knife, a Coke bottle, a candle, and had raped her more than once. He had also frightened her by driving over 100 miles an hour on a back road. He had taken money from her, which he had then spent on his girlfriend. He had run her down with a car and driven her on the windshield. He had locked her in a bathroom and had a particularly nasty habit of locking her out of doors in cold weather. He had pushed her into a stone fireplace, punched her, knocked her down the stairs on the Christmas of 1989, threatened to kill her, told her repeatedly that no one liked her, and had threatened to feed her to the alligators. Oh, dear. All right. Do you still think she should have served time in prison? (laughs) Again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I think this guy is exactly where he needs to be, well, and she is exactly he's where, where he she needs, needs to, to be. be. But mm. how had right. he not like been arrested for anything before? I uh, because she's a battered woman. This battered woman syndrome, which we're going to get into now. What Nicole just read was from the testimony of twenty-two witnesses around the town that, through the years, have all claimed they have personally witnessed violence, or. It's reported from therapists, the doctors that say, oh, she's got multiple bruisings, all this stuff. Also, Jackie had a diary from the 70s when they first got married that she wrote in every day. So the whole record of abuse is right there. Every page. Now, a lot of times when she wasn't getting abused... John Bevins MIA is not like he was good to her. He was in the Cayman Islands for a couple months with his girlfriends or somewhere else using her money mostly because she was the breadwinner. I mean, he did make money, but she was, she made a lot more. Mm. The start in 1990, John Bevins comes and starts asking for a divorce. Now he asked twice. And then he finally asked again after he told her about this 26 year old girl. He was Banging down in Cayman Islands that he wanted to move in. His girlfriend. Yeah, like, she doesn't just want you for your money. Like, really? Right. But she told her friends, or she told her friend, quote, I'm afraid I'm going to blow him away. And now I do want to remind you guys, the wife shoots the husband 15 times, twice reloaded, and then checks herself into a psychiatry unit at the main medical center. Mm -hmm. All right. I told you earlier that the police actually gave her the gun. She's a restaurateur, okay? She was making a lot of money, and a lot of that money's in cash, all right? Mm -hmm. So when she closes the restaurant, she's got all that cash on her. And in fact, the reason the chief of police gave her that thirty-two caliber Harrington, and in the article that Kirsten over, the guy says, quote, a rather interesting quirk, 
is the chief of police gave that to her for protection. Okay, like so, when she was walking with the deposit? That, yeah, because she actually got robbed once, attempted robbery once, mm. and she didn't have anything, she, you know, she didn't have mm. a gun. So the, the reason I'm saying this is to throw out the case for, yeah, I know you said premeditated. Yeah, it still might be, but it's not like premeditated, oh, shit, I got to go get a gun. Right. I got to go buy a gun. Or, you know what I'm saying? She was given yeah. it. Like, she, it may not have she happened. Had had it she had it available. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She, does that make sense? And that yeah. was the reason I'm saying that is because that came up in the court and in, in the trial. So let me let's talk about the battered woman syndrome. This is I've I've dived pretty deep in this. I think it's very interesting. There's a lot of psychology involved in this. Right. Um, it's, it's definitely awful. And if you're going through this, I mean, I don't I don't have any advice for you, but. You know, you're not alone. There's a lot of people that go through this. So if you're if you're going through this, I did find a couple of really good articles that you can read at, that goes through the history of battered woman syndrome, mm-hmm. the first cases. And not only that, what I found was really interesting is not just the history of men beating their wives, but the history of the woman's role in society, which I need to tread carefully. One of the most interesting articles I found was the battered woman's defense is history and future. Now, this is from findlaw.com, and I'm going to put it on talkmurder.com as well. It's very interesting. From the beginning of time, women were seen as inferior to men. Examination of the history of Western civilization reveals laws authorizing authorizing men's use of violence against women to chastise and control them. In Roman times, a husband was permitted to use a reasonable physical force, Mm -hmm. including blackening her eyes or breaking her (sighs) nose and disciplining his wife. Not to get all philosophical, but why do we think that is that from the beginning of time, like women were seen as inferior? It's always been like that. But I'm wondering why, because you can say, well, men, men can repopulate the world, but, you know, the no, woman can't has do to... it without women. Exactly. I think it's a hunter-gatherer thing. I mean, men are more capable of finding food. Oh, you guys are staring at me, and I'm, I'm I not trying to sound... I would say more capable. I'd say that would, like, it's more so in their genetics. I'm not trying would... to... Yeah, genetically, I'm not trying to sound sexist, but as far as strength, men are usually stronger than women. Okay. Okay. So if... There's a, an antelope, like we're sitting here and we haven't eaten in a week. Like, I'd be more suited to chase that antelope. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, That's I don't run I mean. for anything. Yeah, um, You know, I always say if there's someone chasing me with a knife and tells me to run, I'd say just, just kill me because I'm, I'm not running for you. I'm sorry. But I, I can't ask you a question. I mean, I think it's—I mean, if you look at other creatures, too— I mean, look at dogs. Look at Archie dogs. So we got a female and a male, and the— the male dog, even though he's not the top of the food chain in this house, he he likes to think he is. I think he's got a Napoleon complex. <laughs> yeah, he's little. He's much littler, littler than we thought he was going to be. All right. Yeah. But poor baby hubs at 40 pounds going strong. All right, Nicole. We love our hubs. Jen, can you read this for once? Or, Jen, can you read this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
English rape law is considered rape against, a crime against the husband, father, or fiancé of the victim. Rape cases were considered properly disposed of if the male owner of the victim was compensated for the damage to his property. What? Marital rape was inconceivable <laughs> as me? wives could not legally refuse their husband's conjugal rights. Okay, you guys act like you're shocked right that now. That is fucked up. I'm not shocked per se, but like <laughs> reading it out loud just makes me so angry. We're you, not properly. You literally just asked why why do we think that they were that's not saying I, that's not saying that they are i said why did the people think that they were well this definitely supports that because no i i'm not saying it wasn't yeah. the case it definitely was the case i'm just wondering why so basically what jen just read is back in the olden days if me and farmer joe gets in an argument and then he goes and sexually assaults or beats my wife which, you know, would be my property. You know what I'm thinking of right now? <laughs> you have a case against him. I, not... I can get money from him. You, know, you destroyed me. my property. You know what I'm thinking of right what? now? Like a silent movie of you dressed up in like olden garb with a boulder <laughs> hat on. And it's like someone someone comes over and they're like pointing at Nicole. And you're like, like has like an old time picture of you like and pointing like, at someone. Okay, and be like, but hey, how much? that's my property. <laughs> Very nice. How much? With like ragtime music in the background. But also, like, do 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 And all of a sudden, I'm tied bound, and I'm in somebody else's truck because they purchased me. No, no trucks yet. You're on the train track. All right, Nicole, read this. English common law sanctioned wife beating under the infamous rule of thumb, which what? decreed that a man might use a rod not thicker than his thumb with which to chastise his wife. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What the fuck? Is that really a... That's, that's, where, that's where the phrase from. came yes, from? that's yeah. where it comes from, rule of thumb. But, like, why is that such a common colloquialism now? That's my word of the it's, night, by the way. It is. Th- that's because where it came from. As long as I the rod that I beat you with isn't larger than my thumb. Thicker than <laughs> your thumb. That's a... But yeah. width-wise, right? That's a pretty... Girth. The girth of your thumb. That's a pretty big... I also want to go back to the fact where we read previously that he would stick a banana up his vagina. Her, her, no, vagina, her vagina. His wife's, his wife's vagina. Yeah. Or a candle. Um, or a can- But, like, that's so squishy. I mean, like, I... I I've, hopefully it's not a ripe one, because otherwise, yeah. I really hopefully it's not the end with the stem on it, either. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. I remember in college during one of our, like... <laughs> Like Sex some of, one of my friends, like pra- we practiced putting condoms on a banana. Like what? I didn't take part; I was just observing. You know, speaking of banana penises, um, there's a uh, disease called Pyrenees disease, uh-huh. where the penis is bent. Huh? There's a there's a dog so called the weird. Great Pyrenees. Did you know that? The the white ones, right? Yes. Jen, just read all that. These legalized injustices documented a societal state of mind not easily erased after being in place for centuries. It is only in the last 15 years that most states have made it a crime for a man to rape his wife, which is fucked up. Some states require (laughs) physical injury to accompany the rape. The real legacy of these laws and practices remains in our perceptions of women in their position in respect to men. In many parts of our society, a woman's wifely duties include sexual submissiveness. That is true. And when I was in Afghanistan, like, they, they don't really have a choice. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> like to say that in America, we are pretty lucky that we don't have those laws. Yeah. Anyway, so this, during the 70s is when all this kind of uh, women's battered syndrome started. Battered woman syndrome. Battered woman syndrome started really taking off. It's because now, now women are more equal to men 
because they're working side by side and they're. I just want to correct you. We're not more equal to men. We are equal well, to no, men. No, I'm saying like. We should be. I, I'm. I right. know what you're saying. I know what I'm saying. I'm, just I'm, forget what I said. The view, what I'm taking is of the patriarchy of okay. America, which right. is still, we're still a patriarchy. Okay. Down with the patriarchy. So women are now more equal to men. All right. And. Okay, so we're equal. I can do the exact same job you do. I can be a CEO. I can be a banker. I can do whatever you do. I'm the same. We're equal. That means you can't beat the shit out of me. I'm not your property anymore. I'm I'm productive into the nation. So that's where it kind of changed. And from what I've been researching. Right. You know, I'm not saying you guys have never always been equal because. Well, we haven't. I don't want to die tonight. But I'm saying... Well, we've already determined you're sleeping on the couch, Nicole said. So, I mean, you can say whatever you want for the rest of the episode, pretty much. Let's talk about this. Even though government's fundamental obligation to its citizens is its duty to protect them from harm, an exception existed for the husband who would beat his wife. In fact, in South Carolina, there is still a law that says you can beat your wife on the courthouse steps if it's Sunday. What? Yeah, that's still a law. It's one of those obscure laws they never took out the books. Why? That's so strange. That's what it is. Because women are property. That's what are, you know. You know what that reminds me of? What? Like if you have jury duty and you want to get out of it, all you have to do is just reschedule it to Good Friday because the courts never open. Someone told me that. Only recently have police departments began to vigorously arrest wife beaters. Yes. Thank you, police. But not because out of concern for the women but more as a result of lawsuits based on the equal protection claim for a failure to protect. So the police, we pay the police our taxes to protect our citizens. Well, a woman as a citizen, how is she protected if she's getting toasters thrown at her and beaten fucking mercilessly by her husband? Well, I just had deja vu. Probably because I say the same shit over and over. No, but I like that exact <laughs> phrase, like... Now, in the mid-1970s, the first battered women's shelters were opened in the United States. And the old ideas about women in the criminal justice system were finally challenged. Battered woman syndrome is actually considered still to this day an insanity defense. Okay? You, you don't kill in self-defense. How is pumping 15 bullets, reloading twice, to a man that is butt-naked almost, self-defense? It, that doesn't make sense. Self-defense is, oh, my God, he's running at me with a knife or a katana, and I'm going to shoot him. No, this is like. I just feel like the using the term insanity for it is wrong. Yeah, and because I would also like to. Because we haven't progressed to the point yeah. where, it, you know. I mean, it's also, I mean, in result to traumatic experience, you know what I mean? In order to plead that, I mean, she, she went through a lot of trauma, and it affected her. So uh, the court systems are continually evolving today to suit this woman's battering syndrome. But the problem is this. You can't just say if you get beat, you can kill your husband and get away with it. Because if that was the case, and I'm sure this may have even happened after this case, you'd have all kinds of wives saying, oh, he hit me and I just fucking blew his head off or he slapped yeah. me. Just, you, you'd have a mess. Right. You have to have some sort of standard. Mm-hmm. All right. And the three standards that have been really suggested was one, the sex neutral standard, which takes into account all the circumstances surrounding the participants at the time of the incident. So this including 
this includes the individual characteristics of both. So it's kind of like what we're doing now. All right, this dude's a mobster, you know, all this stuff. There's another second alternative known as the reasonable woman standard. Now, I'm trying to build this for you because it's not defined yet. Is, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No one knows how to treat a women's battered syndrome in the courtroom yet. So the next one is the reasonable woman standard. This Advocates on this argue that a woman's perception of danger, harm, and force are different from a man's, and therefore her reactions when threatened by her husband are significantly different from those of a man in similar circumstances. Accordingly, her actions should be judged by a different standard. Detractors of the standard see stereotypes emerging similar to those feared with the use of the sex-neutral standard. The third approach is the creation of an entirely new standard. For this case, we did the individual standard. All right, so we looked at him. We got the FBI report showing he's, his links to organized crime, right. all the abuse, everything else. He's definitely a bad dude. Exactly. Yeah. But... What I'm trying to get you guys to think about is like what determines if a woman is battered and can be justified for killing her husband? Like, where's that standard? Where's that line? Because I can't answer that. I'm a dude. No, I I don't think that there's like a a special formula either. But I think you could characterize it as a combination of physical and or emotional abuse. Now. I don't want to, you know, I don't know if I should even bring this up, but is there a same standard for like a battered husband syndrome? I don't think you have battered husbands. Well, that that goes back to the like the societal things. All right. Think of Superman. So Superman, he always saves Lois Lane. Mm -hmm. So Superman is the big, strong, muscular guy, the patriarchy of America. He's a man, Mm -hmm. perfect man. And the woman is all helpless and, ah. Oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here to save me, Superman. Superman. Superman, I'm so glad you're here to save me because I would just not be able to do it because I'm a woman. I'm, I'm not trying to cause anything, but think that's how that's how we grew up. That's mm-hmm. how everyone thinks. OK. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. What was your question? <laughs> Is there a battered husband syndrome? Oh. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I did not answer your question. No, right. but it's okay. You tried. And, and I liked where you were going with that, though. Yeah. yeah. So one really interesting point that this article points out is the American vision of self-defense had always been cast in the picture of two gunfighters squaring off on a Western street. Hey, you ready to do? Take 10 steps and then turn. Okay. That's self-defense. If you, if you kill or be killed, Jen. All right. The Ten Dual Commandments. Now, in such a scenario of self-defense, kill or be killed, a battered woman syndrome sufferer, a woman, would be dead. In a duel? No, not a duel. All right, that was kind of a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is she wasn't actively attacked. Right. right. I'm going to cut all that. Anyway, um, so we have a lot of female audience out there. So if you guys are going through this, you know, seek help or whatever. I, I don't want to give you any advice because I does not my expertise. But uh, you should really do the research on this. This is the cycle of violence. All right, the cycle of violence is a model developed to explain the complexity and coexisting of abuse and loving behaviors. This talks about the cycle of abuse. So you got three things. It starts with the tension building phase. The tension building phase. Think about. Someone that is getting abused 
for 23 years, like Jackie Bevins. Right. She goes through this thing called the cycle of violence. She's a batter woman. She's in an abusive relationship. And even if our listeners are going through this, it may be really surreal for them to see these cycles. And and then they'll be able to know that they're, oh, I'm in this cycle. The first cycle, tension phase, walking on eggshells. Everything has to be perfect. Always worrying or in fear of what if, feeling something is about to happen. So you're in a, a relationship with a guy and you're just like always trying to be perfect. You know, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to piss them off because that tension. Okay. Then it moves on to the crisis phase. This is the abusive phase, the blow up worse than before threats, destruction, fear for your own child's safety, drug and alcohol abuse. Then it goes back to the calm phase. Now this is a cycle. It goes like this over and over and over. And in fact, the majority of survivors will leave an abusive partner seven to 12 times before they Mm. finally leave. Mm. Okay. So if you're, if you're being abused by someone and you're in that relationship, you may leave, but you're probably coming back. It takes up to 12 times for you to finally get out. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like awful. And finally the calm phase, the person you fell in love with, It'll never happen again, sweetie. I, you know what? I'm gonna get help. I'm gonna stop drinking. Uh, this girl from the Cayman Islands is 23 year old. This hoe. I'm done. I'm breaking it off. I'm gonna get help. I'm, it's gonna be just like what we were married. Okay, and then that cycle slowly turns back into the tension phase. Walking on eggshells. Oh God, I don't want to piss him off. And it's like that. You see, guys, right here, I'm putting a picture up here. It's a cycle, tension phase, crisis phase, calm phase, over, 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 over again. This is what abuse victims have to go through. And I'm, I'm really interested to know if abuse victims out there know that there's a cycle like this. I mean, I guess, I guess they do. I feel like I remember subconsciously. learning about this in school, actually. Yeah. Now, I do want to say that this cycle of violence is a tool developed by researcher Lenore Walker and detailed in her book, The Battered Woman. So if you guys want to check that out, it's published in 1979. Interesting. A, a very interesting note here, and this is a very important. Over a period of time, there may be changes to this cycle. The honeymoon phase may become shorter, all right? And the tension and violence may increase. Hmm. Some victims report that they never experience an apologetic or loving abuser, but simply see a decrease in tension before the start of a new cycle. Hmm, interesting. It's crazy. Well, there's one other thing that goes with the cycle of violence, okay? And this plays in the courtroom as well. And what pisses me off is the, how they came about finding this out. But it's called learned helplessness. Yes, learned helplessness. Okay, tell us what that is. It's kind of like something happens... And I, I can't put it into words. I know I know what it is, but I can't really explain it. Well, let me, let me explain it with a study they did. You got this. It makes me so mad. Oh, the dog. The dog you got this study. Dog. Yes. Pavlov you got him in a cage. Huh? Pavlov? No, it's no, not, Pavlov. not Pavlov. Just listen. You got his dog in a cage. And the cage is uh, sectioned off by a divider. But mm-hmm. the dog can jump to the other side anytime he wants. He doesn't know it, though, at the time because they just well, put it yeah, in the cage. Just, anyway, Sorry. there's a divider. And the dog can jump to the other side anytime he wants. So he's on side A, all right? And 
on the floor, there's little electrodes and he gets a little shot. So what does he do? He says, ow, oh, fat, woof, woof. He jumps to side B, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, fuck, that was a close one. Then side B lights up, a little electric, woof, 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 woof. He jumps to side A, but then he notices side A does it. He jumps back to B. After a while, he goes, he finally hits a stage called learn helplessness, where he just lays down. Because he knows whether he jumps to side A or stays to side B, he's going to get the same shock. And that relates to this because women go through that. They get beat, 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 and they know it's going to happen. It's learned helplessness. Wow. Women at first believe they can control the violence by their behavior. Mm. Walking on eggshells. Doing everything right. Oh, I, I, he likes a steak medium rare, and he likes to flip it once, and he doesn't like the seasoning. I, I knew from last time he yelled at me. He does not like that. I got to do this right. Doing what the abuser wants or refraining from conduct that participates the violence over time doesn't work. These women come to believe that nothing they do can alter the violence. They become passive, and the ability to perceive alternatives disappear. That, and if you ask, all right, oh, you get beat. Your husband beats the shit out of you. Why don't you leave? Why don't you just fucking leave him? There you go. There's the psychology behind why the fuck they don't just leave. Mm. I, I'm all for the women like this. I, you know, honestly, I think she should have reloaded. I think she should have went and got a, a rocket launcher. I mean, you're beating the shit out of your wife constantly, constantly, constantly. Okay, I think you're where you need to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Now, I want to say the entire town really respects Jackie. For and, taking a stand? Yeah, for taking a stand. And, I mean, they're... Mm-hmm. So, she actually, Jackie owns Jackie's 2. That's owned by her. It sits on the edge of Perkins Cove. On one side of the cove lies a working harbor crossed by New England's only foot drawbridge. Hmm. On the other side stands a rocky coastline, much like the marriage of Jack and Jackie Bevins. Oh, that's oh, an interesting metaphor. All right, now from the Ottawa Citizen. Analogy, analogy, not metaphor. From the Ottawa Citizen, Saturday, April 17th, 1999, Jackie Bevins was elected to the five members board of selectment that governs a gunquit. All right. Her fellow selectman, Karen Maxwell, says, quote, she's a hero. Yeah. The woman has got grit. She knows better than anybody that there was more talk behind her back than to her face. And that's got to be a a hard life to lead. Well Mm. said. I love this girl, man. If you're ever in Maine, you need to go to Jackie's, too, and get yourself a lobster roll and show her some support. I think she's I think this is a, a great case. You got someone that was beating the shit out of her, mm-hmm. putting her whole family in jeopardy. And now he's dead. Fucking, it's a great case. I yeah. Think. Mrs. Bevins publicly stated that she lies awake some nights reliving the shooting, wondering if it could have been avoided. I don't think so. I think you did the right thing. Quote, I felt isolated doing my own form of punishment. She told she told the Portland Press Herald, I think the town has accepted me for who I am, a very, a very fair and honest person. And, and it, everyone says that same thing. Now, this is from the private investigators blog. We were able to develop evidence of his link to organized crime, which led to a very interesting testimonial 
or testimony of my interview of a man whom Jack had hired. Okay. Let's talk about self-defense here. Let's talk about, she says, I wonder if it could have been different. He finds a man that Jack Bevins, before he got shot up with his little towel over his little wiener, shot up, he hired this man six weeks before he was killed that was also connected to the mob. A man named Nick Theodore. I guarantee that's a faulty name. Yeah. $5,000 to stage a robbery and kill his wife, Jackie. Oh, my gosh. Jackie was going to die. He said, he called Jackie and said, listen, your husband just tried to pay me $5,000 to kill you. Oh, my gosh. I think this guy's a fucking dick. Click. (laughs) (laughs) Which he was. He says, and and that's what I was thinking. Like, all right, so the mob hooked him up with a hitman. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. This guy's name cannot be Nick Theodore. Right. Because he actually goes to court. And testifies as a hitman. <laughs> that, that, you know what I'm saying? How does that work? It's like, oh, what's your occupation, sir? Well, I'm a hitman. Okay, all right. <laughs> Go um, on. Jack had been drinking heavily and ingesting cocaine. He had a much younger woman in his company that evening. He had taken Theodore aside and described the isolated oceanfront home on Cape Nettick. He had explained Jackie's propensity for carrying large amounts of cash to and from the restaurant. He had suggested with ease with which the crime could be made to look like an attempted robbery. Hmm. The psychological experts retained by the defense had viewed the fact that as pivotal in explaining her fear of Jack and what caused her to shoot as he had charged her on that fateful morning. Many things happened in that bathroom during the moments which had ended his life and altered her own so dramatically, but murder was not among them. I love that. I'm going to read what Kira had sent us on the forum about her story because she has a personal connection with this story. So it's pretty long, so let's just split up the paragraphs here. I'm going to read the first one, then you guys can read the second, third, or whatever. Okay. Yesterday was my grandpa's 85th birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. That's so awesome, yeah. Being a great-granddaughter, I am. She seems like a great-granddaughter. I called him around 9 p.m. Whoa. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> what the fail. fuck? Fail. <laughs> Never mind. When I finally remembered it was his birthday, oh, my God. <laughs> After wishing him a happy birthday, we began talking about what he had done the weekend before. He and his old lady friend, Barbara, had driven from her home, from her hometown in Swansea. Oh, Oh. I know where that is. That's not far from me. Swansea, that town is all the way out in western New Hampshire by King King State College. It's a pretty popular college in the New England area. Uh, It's known for its crazy Halloween parties and pumpkin festival. So Swanson is just right outside of Keene. It's not a very well-off area. In fact, it's like, I think one of the poorer areas of the state, but that's where Jackie Bevins is from. And that's where um, my grandpa's lady friend, Barbara is from. So they grew up in the same town. I don't think they were close friends, but they were definitely, they definitely knew each other. Swansea. Swansea, Mass. W-A-N-Z-E-Y. New Hampshire. Oh, never mind. That's different. Up to their summer home in Wales, M-E. Wales, Maine. 
I thought Maine was M.A. Nope, no, that's, that's Massachusetts. Mass. Nice try, though. There is a oh. Swansea in Massachusetts, but it's called Swan, like it's S-E-A. spelled out Swansea, S-W-A-N-S-E-A. Along the way, they stopped in Agunquit, Maine. Grandpa and Barbara had, oh, wait, I'm reading your paragraph. I like that she calls her his lady friend. Grandpa and Barbara had stopped because Barbara wanted to give an old acquaintance of hers the local Swansea newspaper. This woman's name is Jackie Bevins. Barbara and Jackie had grown up in Swansea together. Jackie has done very well for herself owning commercial property and running restaurants. Recently, she donated $100,000 to fix an old building in Swansea. Wow. The the Swansea newspaper had written a story thanking her for the donation. Hence, the stop to hand deliver a tiny town's newspaper to someone three hours away. Grandpa and Barbara stopped in at Jackie's restaurant called Jackie's 2 to give her the newspaper. Apparently, she was thrilled to receive it, ushered Grandpa and Barbara over to a table, and made the waitress bring them lobster rolls. Grandpa told me, there must have been a pound of Mm. lobster in that thing. It was delicious. To which I replied, wow, that was very generous of her. Grandpa chuckled and said, you'd be more impressed if you knew her backstory. This lady shot her husband 15 times in their bathtub. She stopped to reload the gun twice. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, a pound! I of really respect this there. woman, Jackie. If I ever get up there, I, I cannot think it wait. It's a very famous restaurant, actually. Oh yeah, it's very famous. Jackie, like I feel like I've seen that on some Food Network, like shows. Phantom Gourmet. Um, no, like Food Network, like driver diners, driving, yeah, and dives. yeah, yeah, like that type of stuff. All right, she says in all caps, reloaded the gun twice, and there's like question mark. Exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, and then one last exclamation mark. It turns out Jackie was tried for the murder of her husband back in 1990 and 91. She was found not guilty because her lawyer argued that she had battered woman syndrome. Every time I see that battered woman, I'm not making fun of it, but I think of buttered bread. I just like really want some buttered bread. When I see the word battered, I'm like buttered. I just want want some bread. I think of like, I usually think of like, Onion rings. Her son testified on her behalf, saying that their father had been a horrible abuser and that he openly cheated on her. Well, yeah, we 135 affairs, mm-hmm. and that's just affairs. That's not including one night stands. Speaking of which, one night stand tour, uh, August eighth. Mm-hmm. We are also doing. What's the next one? Charleston. We also got one in Charleston coming up in September. After that, we got Asheville, and then I think uh, I think we're going to Savannah. He was also working with the mob in some capacity and laundering money in his spare time. The jury deliberated for three hours before deciding she shouldn't be punished, and I totally agree. After getting off the phone with Grandpa, I texted my cousin, did Grandpa tell you about his new murderer friend? <laughs> to which my cousin responded, yeah, yeah, Jackie is nuts and honestly one of the craziest batshit insane people in all of Maine. He knew her too! My cousin also spent summers in the Wells slash Ogonqua area and apparently worked for Jay's friend, frenemy at a rival restaurant. So he would get a summer job for a couple of years in a row working as a waiter in a restaurant called Roberto's. And Roberto's is supposedly the arch rivals of Jackie Two's. Jackie Two's is the restaurant that Jackie Bevins owns in Ogonqua. But I guess the owners of Jackie's and Roberto's are frenemies. Um, the way my cousin described it was friend of me. You know, they, they are really polite to each other. They act like they're friends. Sometimes they're sitting together, you know, palling around, but they talk 
tons of shit behind each other's backs and try to steal staff and bartenders from each other and, and all that crazy stuff. The restaurant business is pretty cutthroat up there. According to my cousin Jackie, is richer than Scrooge McDuck and owns half of Algonquin. He called Jackie a troll short, round, and witchy looking. She sits on a stool and micromanages all her employees. She takes no shit and trusts no man. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. What a success. But really, can you really blame her? My cousin also mentioned his friend lived in the murder house, all capitalized, oh, wow. two winters ago. There are rumors that his ghost haunts the place, but his friend didn't see one. There's my story. The moral of this story is that everyone should call their grandparents more often. <laughs> <laughs> my grandparents are Jackie Bevins acquitted of all charges after reloading the gun twice, shooting her mobster boy, mobster husband with a towel wrapped around his little wiener. Go Jackie. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm fine with the result of that. It definitely feels different from like the Gypsy Rose or the Shayna where they did have to serve some time. What do you think, Jen? You think she should be in prison? Um, not currently, but I think maybe... She should have. I'm, and I'm not saying that. I'm not like I said. I'm not belittling what she went through at all. But I, she still killed somebody. Thank you so much, Kira. Yeah, amazing thank story. You, Kira. Very, Quite very amazing story. And I mm-hmm. loved researching this. If you really enjoyed the story, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you really like the story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talk Guys Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love, shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicated to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, go find your lobster.